If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Will you pray with me? It is that time again, Holy One. Time for our kiddos to head back to school. Time for parents to sigh with relief that summer hours are over and bedtimes resume. Time for teachers to, well, just keep working because it turns out that's what they do during the summer too. Except it's not that time. Not exactly. Nothing is the same this year. People are being asked to make impossible decisions. There are options, of course, but none of them are perfect. None of them are particularly reassuring. None of them meet every need of every child and every family. But everything is also the same. Affordable, high-quality childcare is a struggle to find. Public education continues to be actively defunded. Teachers are still using their own money to supply their students with resources. The uncertainty, the frustration, and the anxiety make it easy for us to want to turn on one another. There is a Bible story about a little boy who shared his lunch with a crowd of hungry people. It wasn't much, just two fish and a few bites of bread. The blessing over it was short, but it somehow turned into enough to feed them all. Perhaps it was a miracle. Perhaps it was that people were simply reminded to turn towards each other to share what they had. Maybe those explanations aren't mutually exclusive. Grant us wisdom and courage, Holy One, as we refuse to turn away from each other. We pray in the name of Jesus, an underfunded teacher who partnered with a student to help the community work a miracle. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 22, verses 21 through 33. So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the officials of Moab. God's anger was kindled because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the road as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. 
The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. So the donkey turned off the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it scraped against the wall and scraped Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam struck the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand. I would kill you right now. But the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, which you have ridden all your life to this day? Have I been in the habit of treating you this way? And Balaam said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down, falling on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? I have come out as an adversary because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let it live. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This one isn't in the lectionary, the story of Balaam and the talking donkey. The lectionary, if you're wondering, is a three-year cycle of weekly selections used by a majority of mainline Protestant churches and suggests four different readings every Sunday, usually something from the Hebrew Bible, a psalm, a reading from the epistles, and something from one of the four gospels. It provides some guide rails for the preacher. It offers a tie that binds across church traditions and also puts us all on an alternative schedule of sorts. The lectionary walks us through the life of Jesus, which we begin not on New Year's Day, but on the first day of Advent which is usually the last Sunday of November or the first Sunday of December. But the lectionary isn't a complete reading of the Bible, even over the whole three-year cycle. Some stories are told only in part, many are repeated over the three-year cycle, and some are left out entirely, like the one with the talking donkey. Ain't no preacher got time for that, anyway unless the youth group throws down the gauntlet, which is definitely what happened last November. Our beloved teenagers challenged me to preach a sermon on Numbers 22, which I had identified to them as one of the strangest in scripture. So here we are, preaching a sermon titled, The One with the Donkey. 
So what does one say about the donkey? I've asked my most trusted colleagues, have you preached this? Did you actually find any commentary that was helpful? Did the spirit show up at the very last minute to rescue you? How many times did you reference the donkey from the movie Shrek? Have you heard anyone else preach it? No, I can't take back the promise to preach on it. Yes, I regret everything. No, I cannot postpone the sermon. It was supposed to happen eight months ago, so I'm already pushing it. Yes, obviously our youth group knows how to play the pastor. But it's not simply that I need to keep my promise to our youth group. In a few weeks, we'll be presenting our third graders with Bibles from the congregation. And every year we tell our newly minted third graders that these Bibles are a gift to you from your church family. In them, you will find happy stories, sad stories, stories that can be confusing, but not always. There are stories of people who look for and find God. There are talking donkeys, dragons, witches, and plenty of regular people just like us. We tell them to take their Bible home and study it, that it's okay to ask questions about it, to disagree with it, to try to follow its best teachings, and even to love it. We assure them that their church family will be doing those same things. So again, here we are. We find this tale in the book of Numbers, which we've spent an unusual amount of time in this year. You'll remember from the two other times we've been in this book that Numbers, despite the name, is actually quite narrative in form. The Hebrew word for the title of Numbers is usually translated in the wilderness, which is undoubtedly a more appropriate title given its contents. The book begins with the Israelites encamped in the wilderness of Sinai and spans the 40 years of wandering until it lands on the east side of the Jordan River, looking forward to a new future. But between those bookends, there are some real doozies as far as Bible stories go, like our scripture lesson for today. Every once in a while, the biblical text offers to us obvious folklore. In this case, it's one with a talking donkey. If we were to flip over to the book of Judges, Jotham offers a fable about a group of talking trees that go out to anoint a king over themselves, first asking an olive tree to reign over them, then a fig tree, then a vine, and being rejected by each of those, finally turns to the bramble, which offers little shade and whose fruit is inedible. The story does not end well, which is, of course, to let us know that particular cycle in the book of Judges, which contains the fable, does not end well, and why the entire book of Judges basically ends in a giant ball of flames. So what about this talking donkey? Well, I suggest to you that it's not about the donkey. I know this seems like I'm taking the easy way out, but, but hear me out. Notwithstanding it being a fable, don't act like you've never talked to your pet or houseplants the way Balaam talked to his donkey. Well, I'm 
Not sure pets and houseplants were a thing yet in ancient Israel. Balaam's donkey appeals to their long history together and points out in verse 30 that Balaam has ridden him all his life and that he has, in all those years, always been a good donkey. Truth be told, there are times when my dog's expression says the very same thing when I tell him for the umpteenth time as I'm walking out the door, be good while I'm gone. I mean, he's never actually chewed up shoes, never gnawed on furniture, never done anything that would warrant me reminding him to be good while I'm away. But I say it anyway, and I know that I'm not the only person who talks to their pet or house plants for that matter. There are dozens of kids every year who do science fair projects on the benefit of talking to your houseplant and even more adults who talk to their houseplants without caring about the science of why it actually matters. So quite frankly, the conversational donkey is not the weirdest part of the story. What's weird is our obsession with the donkey. After all, it's, it's not the donkey who has the problem. The donkey can see everything just fine. The donkey knows what's up. The donkey knows how to keep itself out of trouble. The donkey is trying to avoid death by the sword-wielding angel. So maybe we're supposed to focus on Balaam. After all, he was a prophet for hire. Blessing or curse, if the price is right, that's not exactly a stellar line on one's resume. God doesn't exactly register opposition to Balaam, per se. Rather, we hear a dramatic account of someone who needs help changing direction. So let's pull back just a little bit to see this story, to read about someone who was so intent on continuing down the path he was on that he ignored all warnings all red flags, and even a forced detour. Perhaps this is what the fable is asking us to consider, to examine the road we're on and consider whether or not we should get off of it and cut a new path. We can be so used to just putting one foot in front of the other that we don't even realize we're headed straight into trouble. I keep hearing that everything will be different after the November election. And it worries me as a preacher. I am worried that the progressive church is so focused on who is currently in the White House that we're forgetting that no matter who holds that office, we will always have work to do. I am concerned that we are just putting one foot in front of the other, just like Balaam, and that we don't realize that we're headed straight into trouble because we are so ready to believe that there is a savior out there who will change everything instead of remembering that God has charged us with doing justice, not giving all our heart, mind, and strength to an elected official or office.
America did not simply become violent in 2016. Health insurance was not suddenly made unavailable in 2016. Voter suppression did not just rear its ugly head in 2016. We have been on this path for some time. Let us remember that in 2008, many progressive Christians believed the Messiah had been elected. The deification of President Barack Obama blinded progressive pulpits to very early causes of concern. The anti-war candidate essentially handed over the two most important foreign affairs seats in the cabinet to prominent figures in the war establishment when he retained Robert Gates as Secretary of Defense and appointed Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. The church said not one word as President Obama dramatically expanded drone warfare. And because we just kept walking that path, we stepped right into President Trump, extending the use of drones beyond traditional conflict zones as the war on terror broadened into Yemen and Somalia. The US administration has shown itself willing to use the precision capability of drones to carry out assassinations. How much farther down this violent path will the next president go? even one a majority might consider to be a good guy. While the Affordable Health Care Act created the opportunity for more Americans than ever to get health insurance, the Obama administration let the insurance industry exclude a single-payer health care system and a public health insurance option from serious consideration. We just kept walking down the path that led us to this very moment when an untold number of Americans lost their, their employment-based health insurance because of the pandemic. How might things be different today if we had done more work to ensure that affordable, accessible health insurance wasn't connected to employment? If you are more offended by a critique of the Obama administration than the problematic path we're on, I invite you to read the text again. The world can't afford for white progressive Christians to do any more idol making or pearl clutching. And voter suppression? Stacey Abrams reminds us that voter suppression was baked into the notion of America, starting with the Constitution. For many white congregations, this is new information, but this congregation is committed to doing the work. To get a taste of what I'm talking about, I suggest reading Yvette Dion's Lifting As We Climb, Black Women's Battle for the Ballot Box. If we had already had a working knowledge of our country's history of voter suppression, election day would already be a federal holiday and mail-in ballots would be the norm, but We've been walking down the same road for centuries. So that's not our reality today. We can indeed get off this path, but we'll first need to look up and see that we're headed for trouble. The scripture we read today is 
in a cluster of chapters where death and disorder overwhelm the pages of numbers and they are overwhelmed by death and disorder. But these same chapters are mixed with whispers of hope and eventual arrival in the promised land. This story tells us it's possible to change course. If we want a more peaceful, a more just world, we've got to get off the road we're currently on. And that will take more than a change in the presidential administration. There is no time for delay. We're 80-something days from an election and a lifetime into needing to direct the energy, resources, and privilege of this congregation to giving love the upper hand. Balaam got off the road. Will we? You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Waukee, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.